It's time. We are not called to be nice. Sandy Rios, welcome Sandy, thanks for being here. We are often called to be confrontational. And here with me in DC is Fox News contributor Sandy Rios. You and you still like me or you or you don't like me, James? Are you okay? You're all right. <laughs> I'm a musician, I can't help it. Uh, longtime Fox News contributor Sandy Rios, thanks very much for being with us. We have, I think it's four to one youth in America wants gay marriage. Our kids are the product of public schools. No wonder they poll the way they do. It's time to stand up or we're going to lose everything we have. Director of Governmental Affairs for the American Family Association. Step up, speak up, say something, do something. This isn't a game. This is real life. Sandy Rios is with the American Family Association. A pro-life radio talk show host. Some things are worth fighting for. Bonnet Benjamin Hall was wounded while news gathering outside of Kyiv in Ukraine. We have minimal level of details right now, but Ben is hospitalized and our teams on the ground are working to gather additional information as the situation unfolds. The safety of our entire team of journalists in Ukraine and the surrounding regions is our top priority and of the utmost importance. This, of course, is a stark reminder for all journalists who are putting their lives on the line every day to deliver the news from a war zone. We will update everyone as soon as we know more. Please keep Ben and his family in your prayers. Yeah, so that was a few years ago. And uh, so I guess it was funny at the time, but it's not so funny now, is it? All right, it's Sandy Rios with you. We've got a technical problem here. I'm here. I'm catching. With, uh, I've got another programming coming through my microphone. If you guys can fix that. On financial issues. That would be great because it's me talking while I'm trying to talk. Can you guys hear me all right? Yeah, no, there's nothing. I have nothing on. I just think this is very strange. Okay, I'm going to talk over it. And let me just say that as a, you know, Benjamin Hull, as I understand it, is a guy who has like three or four small children. And I'm sure you guys all see him. He reports from overseas all the time in these conflicts. And so, um, boy, this is very weird. Sorry to talk talk over myself. This reminds me when I tried to sing the national anthem at the Bears games, and there would be this uh, four-second delay, and you try to sing the anthem uh, while you're singing the anthem. It's just uh, bizarre. This is just bizarre. I have no idea what's going on here. Um, all right, so... Uh, Stop you guys He's having playing with my concentration here. All right, so uh, yesterday in uh, Ukraine, I want to tell you a couple of things. Zelensky made a statement and a speech predicting victory in Ukraine and uh, offering Russian soldiers a chance to survive. And I thought that was pretty interesting because uh, that. Um, oh, thank goodness! Thank goodness! Thank you, Sandy, for stopping doing a show while I'm trying to. Do a show. All right, so Zelensky yesterday predicted victory in Ukraine and is offering Russian soldiers a chance to survive. He says to them, basically, uh, he said he thinks they're going to win. He noted that the enemy is confused and he did not expect stiff resistance. He said their soldiers know this. Their officers are aware of this. They flee the battlefield. They abandon equipment. And he said, we take trophies and use them protect to protect Ukraine. Today, Russian troops are, in fact, one of the suppliers of equipment to our army. They could not imagine such a thing in a nightmare. And then he says, Russian conscripts, listen to me carefully. Russian officers, you've already understood everything. You will not take anything from Ukraine. You will take lives. There are a lot of you, but your life will also be taken. 
but why should you die? What for? I know that you want to survive. And therefore, he says he offers them, he said, if you surrender, he said, we will treat you with respect, the respect that you're due, and uh, we'll, we'll find a place of peace. I think that's pretty amazing. And, of course, there is a lot of unrest in Russia. One of the things that I did not play for you yesterday, there's a Russian, Russian I think he's a general, uh, who was captured. And he, I, maybe he even surrendered and gave himself up and said, basically, I, I just can't fight this war. This I can't do this. I can't do what they're asking us to do. So certainly uh, there is, um, there's a problem. And actually, yesterday there was a woman, there's a newscast in Russia, Channel One Russia. It's the number one newscast. And I know that you won't um, be able to understand what this uh, reporter is saying, but she's the number one reporter in Russia. This is clip seven. Just listen, and I'll tell you what's taking place. Российский премьер подчеркнул, надо усилить сотрудничество в рамках союзного государства. А на совещании в правительстве обсуждали, как сохранить доступность. Границы не должны. Yeah. So what happened was uh, she was broadcasting about the war, uh, Russian propaganda, and this girl runs behind her, who is another broadcaster holds up this sign that says, stop the war, and you hear her in the background, stop the war, don't believe propaganda, they're lying to you. Uh, and so uh, so that's what's happening in Russia, and that's why Vladimir Putin is cracking down on Russians who are disputing and people that are you know, trying to protest in the streets are treated so harshly. And uh, Zelensky, by the way, is supposed to address the Congress on Wednesday, which then kind of brings me to the whole issue of the military I, a couple of stories I want to tell you that I think are, well, they're interesting, and then we'll bring it to something that is uh, kind of warm and a great memory for me, and I hope it will be for you as well. This is that came into my inbox last night from a guy named Blake Masters. He said, a friend just quit the Air Force. He's a special warfare guy, many combat duties, uh, combat tours in Afghanistan. The top reasons he left before 20 years? Vax mandates and mandatory PowerPoint briefings on trans inclusivity. And uh, included in this tweet is a box of uh, a Zoom call where the Undersecretary of Air Force, Gina Ortez Jones, uh, is having a conversation with uh, the LGBTQ initiatives team. They're asking the hard but necessary questions that will ultimately make us a stronger, more inclusive department of the Air Force. Well, a lot of people don't agree with that. One of them is Colonel Mitch Swain, who's running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District. And I want you to hear his response to that, because now he's running for office and he's being pretty bold, I would say, about how he feels about it. This is clip two. Let's listen. The biggest European land war since World War II. And where's our military focus? Gender dysphoria and woke training. This is insane. Putin's reviewing nuclear options while we assess transgender therapy options. As a retired colonel who led Marines overseas, I know this woke indoctrination will destroy our military. And that's why I oppose transgenders in our ranks. I'm Mitchell Swan and I approve this message because in Congress, I'm going to fight woke policies on every front. Okay, pretty brave stuff. Nobody talks about this stuff. And I know that many of you are in the military. We've had these discussions. Some of you have just been through so much. The the vaccine mandates and now this whole woke business, it is a disgrace. It's an embarrassment. And that's one of the reasons why I have not encouraged us uh, going into Ukraine to help, because I think we have chaos in our military, and I think our leaders are horrific. Not all of them, uh, but the guy at the top certainly is horrific. Uh, and so 
Uh, this, again, let me repeat his name. is Colonel Mitch Swain. He's running for Congress in the 10th Congressional District in Georgia. I don't know anything about that race other than I find myself hoping and praying he's not running against other good conservatives. I don't know about that. And I don't know how you know conservative Mitch Swan is on other things. You never know, you know. You, um, I, I guess I take from this he's pretty conservative because that's a hard line on a very controversial issue. So a heads up uh, and a heads and a tat tip to him for that kind of bravery. And I think those of you in Georgia need to check him out, uh, Colonel Mitch Swain, Swan. Maybe we'll actually have him on the air too. Um, all right. So that brings me to a story. Fast a rewind, <laughs> a rewind story. Uh, this I found. I saw this yesterday or today. It's morning actually, and boy. This is where your own life intersects history, and in this case, it's my life. I lived in Berlin, Germany, and I've told you that before, but this is a more specific story. Uh, this was, uh, I was there in 1973 and 1974. All right, so that's just, let me just say that, and then I'm, let me read you the story. Um, there was a colonel, he was the head of Tempelhof there. Tempelhof was the Air Force um, that was the big airport. It is the airport in Berlin now, but at the time it was controlled by the Americans. And Colonel Gail Halverson was the commander of Tempelhof. Um, and he died at the age of 101 just, let's see, this is dated, well, actually, it, it was February. I didn't know. I thought this was more recent. But he died mid-February at 101. And why am I mentioning this? Because he was known as the candy bomber. What uh, you might not know because some of you are too young to know this and uh, others it's just kind of slipped in history. When uh, World War II was ended, and you heard me mention earlier, um, the Russian troops, which who were part of the Allies at the time under the command of Stalin, so that, that weird time moment in history where Stalin was a an ally of, uh, you know, uh, Winston Churchill and uh, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, he was part of the Allies, uh, fought, you know, with us to defeat the German Nazis. Uh, but toward, you know, during that time, uh, Winston Churchill and Roosevelt, especially Churchill, began to, they were so uncomfortable with Uncle Joe. Uh, he was, it, his wickedness was pretty apparent to them, but they needed him uh, to defeat the Nazis. And so, because Russia had been so invaded by not the Nazis, and the Nazis had uh, done such horrible things to them, uh, they allowed, Eisenhower decided to allow the Russians to enter Berlin uh, and and free, you know, the people of Berlin. I'm sure they'd pop, they didn't want to be free. They, were, they had cyanide pills. They were scared to death of the Russians marching in because they knew how cruel they were. Stalin had, you know, starved over 20 million of his own people. Uh, it was just horrific. And, of course, right after that, when Berlin then was taken over, and that was de- decapitating the head of the Nazi regime, um, the Allies came back in, and Berlin was divided into three sectors, the French sector, the American sector, and the uh, Russian sector. And then the, then the fun began because uh, the wall went up, and uh, the wall went up unexpectedly overnight, just about overnight, and people were cut off. Uh, those in, that were trapped in East Berlin could then never get out again. And no one saw that coming. And along with that, with that wall that was built by Stalin, uh, was starvation because the supply lines were not working. You know, they couldn't. They couldn't get through the wall, and the people in East Germany and East Berlin were starving. It was horrible. So what happened within, uh, what, I'm just saying months of the ending of the war, uh, not, not months, I'm wrong about that, but a short, let's say a short period of time, um, the uh, American pilots uh, started dropping. It was an airlift into Berlin, West Berlin, and, and East Berlin and East Germany. 
uh, bringing food because the people were starving. And keep in mind, we had just been fighting the Nazis. We'd been fighting the Germanies, the Germans. Uh, and suddenly America turns to be the benevolent a deliverer of food to our former enemies. That's the America that I grew up in. And so, and this is what America always did. We rebuilt our enemies. We rebuilt Japan. We rebuilt Germany. When I moved there in 1973, uh, there were still a lot of bombed out places. Uh, and the wall was there. It was very tense. It was there. There were more spies in Berlin, Germany at that time than any place in the world. And our chief enemy was Russia. It was Russia. Uh, of course, Khrushchev by then was uh, premier, uh, the, I think 56, 55, something like that. And so um, Colonel Halverson, who was one of those young uh, fly, fighter pilots, uh, was one of the ones dropping food. But what he recognized as he interacted with the kids was that he gave them, a bunch of them came up to the fence, and uh, he gave, they only had two pieces of uh, chewing gum. And he felt so badly because the kids were dividing it up and sharing it. And he went to the PX himself and bought candy and handkerchiefs and dropped those, those candies from his plane out the window to the kids. At first it was controversial, and then the Air Force realized, wow, this is actually a wonderful thing to do. And so they authorized it. They started dropping candy, chocolate candy and all kinds of stuff to the, ger to the German kids and anyone else who wanted it. And so then that's how Colonel Gail Halverson became known as the candy bomber. Uh, so now to end on a kind of silly note, uh, I was singing with U.S. Army Band in uh, Germany then. I was doing, we were doing a review called Golden Rainbow, and I was playing Edie Gourmet and Steve Lawrence. Some of you are too young to know these names, but I played the, whatever role Edie Gourmet played, that's what I played in this. And so uh, we were performing every night during the German-American Volksfest, and uh, one night, uh, I think it was the last night we performed, we were in the dressing room, and I, we, there was a whole review of dancers, and I was the singer, and uh, we uh, suddenly the curtain parted, and it was Colonel Halverson, the candy bomber, with his entourage. The problem was that some of the dancers were not dressed, and so I remember Colonel Halverson was a real gentleman. And so as he's congratulating us for this great performance, he's like looking up, like looking way above our heads, talking emphatically about what a wonderful job we did, then turned, you know, a quick turn and then left the, uh, the, the tent. It was just kind of a funny moment, but that's the time that I met Colonel uh, Candy Bomber Halverson, who is now dead at the age of 101. I thought you would appreciate what this is when our army and our military was a wonder of the world, and I'm proud to have been part of that moment. Sandy Rios in the morning, AFR Talk. Aria is suffering for the gospel. Hey, it's Michael Woolworth with Bible League International. Aria lives in the Middle East in a radical Muslim family. She accepted the invitation of a Christian friend to attend a weekly Bible study and eventually received Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. She took her Bible study booklet home, hiding it in her room before her mother found it and gave it to her father. He beat young Aria nearly to death and called the officials to report her as an infidel. They took her to her remote cell where they assaulted her and the Christian friend and eventually let them go. Now, these two women, they didn't grow bitter. They grew bold, and together they've seen hundreds come to Christ in the Middle East where it's nearly impossible to get a Bible. And that's why Bible League is inviting you to send God's Word to Bibleist believers around the globe at only $5 a Bible. $100 sends 20, every gift matched. Call 800 Yes Word. 800 Yes Word, or click sendbiblesnow.org. That's sendbiblesnow.org. And God bless you for caring. This is Pause to Pray, a chance each day to stop down from the daily noise of life 
and pray for our country's leaders. Today, we pray for Amanda Lefton, Director of the Bureau of Ocean Energy Management. Her office manages offshore energy and mineral resources in an environmentally and economically responsible way. Proverbs 1.15.16 reminds us of God's blessings of land. The highest heavens belong to the Lord, but the earth He has given to mankind. Right now, with this in mind, let's pray together. Almighty God, we ask for guidance for Amanda Lefton as she manages our nation's resources. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Pause to Pray is the service of this station and the Presidential Prayer Team. Get your 2022 prayer guide and make this the year of prayer. Available now at pausetopray.org. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes. Stand by for news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers. Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. The head of the Walt Disney Company says he supports teaching kindergarten students about transgenderism and gay sex. Bob Chappick announced his opposition to Florida's falsely named Don't Say Gay Bill. In reality, the legislation would ban schools from teaching sexuality to children in kindergarten through third grade. Mr. Chappick also pledged to donate $5 million to radical LGBT organizations. In response, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis threw down the hammer, blasting what he called woke corporations like Walt Disney. The governor says Walt Disney's made a fortune off being family-friendly and catering to families and young kids. But Disney is not family-friendly, and they haven't been for a long time. They've carried water for radical LGBT activists. They have bullied government leaders, but not Ron DeSantis. The Florida governor actually stood up to the bullies wearing the mouse ears. The question now is whether moms and dads will do the same. I'm Todd Starnes. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. These, the whole purpose of these illustrations are to illustrate the real world and real person consequences of the decisions that are made, in this case, by five out of the six commissioners on the Wisconsin election. These were not academic exercises. These were real world and had real world consequences and left a trail of victims. We've only been able, we've, we, we've been able to interview a number of people, but we got 92,000 residents in continuing care facilities in Wisconsin and in the Zuckerberg five cities. We've been able to look at the, the numbers. In the Zuckerberg five cities, in all of those counties, those nursing homes reported a voting rate of 100%, anywhere in between 95% and 100%. These are the people who voted as a result of Wex, of the commissioner's illegal conduct. Okay, that was the voice of special counsel Michael Gableman. He used to be a Supreme Court justice in Wisconsin. We talked, I believe it was last week, about the revelations about uh, nursing home and people with dementia voting, like in many counties, 99, 100% voting. Now we have videotapes of people testifying about their families being family members, loved ones, 
uh, knowing that they're in these memory care centers or other places where they're completely incapacitated and yet they voted in 2020, and there are thousands of them. And that's just one part of the story out of uh, Wisconsin. I want to indulge, if uh, Terry will be patient with me for a second, I want to play MacIver Institute did a report on uh, what they're finding in Wisconsin, and it's pretty interesting. This is clip eight. Let's listen. The Wisconsin Assembly is determined to find out why a Democrat political operative had full access to the city of Green Bay's central count facility during last fall's election. Election officials say Michael Spitzer Rubenstein had a laptop and cell phone at Central Count. He was inspecting ballots and he was advising election workers. I think probably the most alarming thing was seeing on the Hyatt contract that this Michael Spitzer Rubenstein had four keys to the facility and very clear and bold type also said, you know, do not open the room until he is there. And uh, as someone who signed the book as an observer that day, I think that makes a lot of us concerned about what roles outside groups have during elections. So if Rubenstein was an observer, then everything he was doing at Central Count was illegal. If he wasn't an observer, then lawmakers reason he must have been hired by the city. So if indeed he would have identified himself as a staff member. I assume that all communications that he participated in would be open to open records requests as an employee? I I think that's probably an accurate assessment. And so we asked for the records from the, the documents and files he was working with on his laptop, on his cell phone, and the city of Green Bay replied to us and said, oh, well, he's not an employee, so he's not subject to open records request. Now, right, I'm going to cut to the chase here because the city of Green uh, Bay- basically they're going to say that Michael Spitzer Rubenstein, whoever he is, it looks as though he was hired by the Zuckerberg money uh, based at, in Chicago, went into Green Bay in this case, and that this Michael Spitzer Rubenstein was actually operating like through Wi-Fi and he set up several Wi-Fi stations and they go into great detail about that. Uh, And um, uh, there's just a huge cloud hanging over uh, what happened in Green Bay in the 2020 elections. Okay, so that's Wisconsin, and that's only a part of what's happening. But Terry Dietrich, who is the the Republican chairman in the county of Waukesha, is a good friend, uh, joins us this morning. Probably not to talk about that, but Terry, good morning, first of all. Good morning. Good morning, Sandy. How are you? I'm good. All right, so do you want to comment on any of that stuff that we just reported on? Yes, I mean this is a it's a very tumultuous time in Wisconsin, and the bottom line is, is the Zuckerberg uh, investigation and activities. You know, Green Bay was the focal point, but Racine, Kenosha, Dane County, Milwaukee County, it's rampant. Uh, these groups were working in in uh, cooperation with each other in each one of these markets. Um, in Green Bay, there was absolutely full access given to this individual, Rubenstein, and and a number of his team members. Uh, clearly understood by the mayor on down. Uh, and the fact of the matter is this access was absolutely illegal, what they were doing, uh, and it was prolonged all, all through the election process. So, look, th- this, is, this took place all over the, the, blue, the blue counties and the, and the blue cities uh, throughout the election. It's, the, the evidence is clear, and there's just a massive effort in this state uh, to cover this up, to, to move past it, and basically to accuse all of the uh, all of the Republicans and even even Democrats in this state, you know that that we're the ones who are out to lunch on 
on the facts, and we really don't know what happened. This was a clean and fair election, and it absolutely was not. You know, and and my my understanding, Terry, even if you just talked, to, even if you just considered the nursing home fraud, uh, getting people to register, register, having people in the nursing homes and memory care centers, et cetera, et cetera, uh, to register people who are incapable, uh, so that they had like ninety nine and hundred percent voting in some of those counties. There were enough fraudulent votes there that the 2020 least presidential outcome would have been different. That's my understanding. Well, I think I think that's likely true. Uh, but the bottom line is, is there is an absolutely clear process in this state that's irrefutable through our state statute that in in order for an incapacitated person to not vote, there's a registration process for that individual, which simply takes them off the voter rolls. It's very clear. We've seen it in our county here in Waukesha, and yet this was violated by senior people in these these senior centers, by election operatives, and, and going all the way up the chain of command. I mean, it's very clear what the statute says, and if you are incapacitated and you follow the rules and, and are, are eliminated from the voting rolls, Due to that fact, you simply can't vote. And we, we are seeing massive cases of individuals who voted multiple times from, let's say, 2016, 2017 on, and they've been literally incapacitated and through the state statute have been eliminated from voting. So it, it, it's very clear. I don't know, you know, when we hear a lot of uh, uh, hearsay about things, and there was a 60 Minutes uh, segment that was that covered Wisconsin the other night. They're just simply not paying attention to the facts. No, absolutely. And you know, I have to make this point. I know we have some good news. I think we have some good news coming. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> I want to say this. This is an article that I, I haven't had a chance to mention on the air. It came out on the 9th of March. It's a John Solomon report, and the title is Ballot Bombshells, 20 Episodes Exposing Fraud illegalities and irregularities in the 2020 election. Now, it has to be said that um, the press continues to promote any notion that the 2020 election was fraudulent as the big lie. And anyone who says anything about uh, the voting machines gets sued, punished. Uh, anyone who talks about uh, that there was, you know, there was fraud or voter ballot miscounting, whatever the category you know, is a is a liar, a big liar, and they're all they're going after them with a vengeance. They're trying, they're going after attorneys who tried to step yeah. in and help President Trump in the aftermath of that. We talked about that yesterday, but in this particular article, um, John Solomon itemizes at least twenty different episodes. And of course, there's Georgia, and there's Arizona, and there's Michigan. I have a whole host of stories myself this morning on this. And so, and and by and by the way, one last thing. A recent poll found that 40 percent of Americans no longer believe in the legitimacy of the winner of either of the past two presidential elections. That's amazing, don't you think? That's amazing, Terry. Forty well, percent. We're, 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 we're at eighty percent of the Republicans in this state don't do not believe that our election system is clean, uh, and probably somewhere north of 30% of the Republican or of the uh, Democrats who've been interviewed as well. So th- there's a huge problem here. Um, and, and the bottom line is the transparency through the West Wisconsin Election Commission. They just continue to put their head in the sand or deny 
And the fact of the matter is the evidence is clear. And this goes, by the way, for two of our three election commissioners who are Republicans who serve on that. You may have heard of the case in Racine, Wisconsin, where five out of six of our Wisconsin election commissioners uh, clearly decided absolutely to break the, the state statute, to break the law by prohibiting special voting deputies to be in our senior centers in Racine and other oh, locations. No, they I didn't broke hear a that. broke statewide law. Yeah, this oh. is very egregious. And unfortunately, the district attorney did not rule to charge them, but did declare very clearly that they violated the law. This is our Wisconsin Election Commission, five, five out of six commissioners who are charged with with literally overseeing and coordinating a clean and fair election. It doesn't happen. I don't know tomorrow if you know that, or yeah, tomorrow, uh, Wednesday, uh, that the speaker, Speaker Voss, is actually meeting with a national group of election experts and constitutional experts. This has been pushed for months, and finally the speaker uh, agreed to it. This meeting will take place in closed-door session in Madison in the Capitol with the, with the speaker uh, tomorrow. So it is a very, very key day tomorrow. And then in the evening, actually, all of the chairmen from throughout the state of Wisconsin Republican Party are meeting with the speaker and the Senate Majority Leader to sit down and talk about what are we going to do about election integrity and the circumstances. So this issue in this state is hot, and it is not going away. You know, and I think the underscore of that, just to put that in perspective, as I recall, Terry, uh, the Wisconsin legislature, as was the case of m- several Republican-led legislatures uh, in various states around the country, are refused to hear the evidence, refused to consider. It wasn't always, there were a few exceptions, maybe Pennsylvania, uh, but uh, Wisconsin, your Republican-led, led, right, Republican-led legislature at the time, yeah. in 2020? Yeah, refuse to do their their duty, and so that's why this is significant. It's because it's the same Absolutely. people, right? We still have the same pushback from from a, a portion of our leadership up in Madison that refuses to uh, uh, address these issues, and essentially is telling us, the rank and file Republicans out here, to to be quiet, move on, and get ready for the election. Because at the end of the day, you know, this is an issue that's going to cause great divisiveness. And they they think, obviously, it could be detrimental to our chances to win. On the other hand, Republicans around the state, conservatives around the state are looking and saying, if we don't, if we can't be assured that we're going to have free and fair elections this fall, this is going to be detrimental to pushing people out and vote. So, you know, you know which, which way do you want to have it? And I think most of us are on the side of the Constitution and wanting to make sure that we have this, these issues are addressed and the fact that these violators are actually prosecuted. This is what's really at the crux of this. Is people are getting away with with egregious uh, intrusion into our state election system from outside and inside, and we can't tolerate it. And Terry, of course, that's just a reflection of what's happening in Washington, because I can tell you, I don't need to tell you, but I will say to everyone that the Republican establishment, and even some of them considering themselves conservatives, like Mitch McConnell and other people like that, are, you know, they put the kibosh on any discussion of the election. I mean, they came right out with it. They jumped on board to declare that it was a fair and free election uh, and that there's nothing to see here. And they have been our worst enemies in this. And so they're still Absolutely. there, and they're they're saying, oh, we got to get past this. we got to get past this. Let's move on. Stop looking back. And that's the message from them. And, of course, there's oh, a yeah, huge fight. Oh, yeah, that's exactly the message out here in Wisconsin. Yep, yep. So... 
All right, so that all that being said, uh, you guys have done some remarkable things uh, through your efforts known as WISRED. We've talked about this before. People are by now familiar, Terry, with Waukesha right. County being the largest county, uh, strongly Republican, well-run, and you are the Republican chair there. So tell us what's happening with your efforts through WISRED. Right. Well, fantastic. Thanks. Thanks for the opportunity. So as you remember, last year on your show, we discussed all the way through the process uh, that we had recruited 118 candidates out of about 140 uh, total races in the, in the county. Those other ones we let go because they were uh, held by conservative incumbents. But out of those 118 races, we won 100 races, so about an 86% winning uh, percentage, which was fantastic. That gave us the springboard for this spring that's coming up, which is really the second half of the, uh, the election process in Wisconsin. We have a two-year terms for most of these school, school boards and municipal boards. And so every year, about half of the total boards in the county are up. So this spring, we actually have more, about 180 races up in the, in the county. And we've, uh, we've successfully recruited about 168 candidates. So we're very, very wow. full with candidates at all the spots. And if we do what we did last year, which was 80-plus percent victories, we will effectively take over all of the majorities of every board in Waukesha County. So we are in the final sprint. Our candidates are working extremely hard in the WISRED kind of templated uh, program that we have where from the filing date in January all the way through, we have handheld and basically helped execute the strategic plan for and campaigns for all of these uh, candidates and assisted them. They're in the final sprint. We had our primary February 15th, of which case there were 10 large races for the three biggest school boards in uh, in Waukesha. I'm proud to say that we won every single race, one, two, and three in the primaries. So we've got a lot of momentum going in, and obviously April 5th, if we do what we're supposed to do and win big, um, this county will be primed and ready then for the fall. So uh, speaking with Senator Johnson consistently, he always talks about the trickle-up theory, which is we've got to win at the local level, which then obviously permeates up ticket um, and, and dollars-wise spent is a heck of a lot more efficient. And he's very excited about what we're doing with WISRED and obviously sees it as the springboard here for for November's election where we have a gubernatorial, which is going to be very contentious. And obviously, Ron Johnson, our senator, is up, and then statewide races. So it really is serving as the template or the, the, the model, uh, I think, statewide uh, for us to, to position Wisconsin as a red state consistently instead of the purple circumstance we always seem to be mired in. You know, and I, I have to say, uh, Terry, you guys are doing all this work, this incredible work. Um, Virginia is doing great work, too. But, of course, I have to explain that because uh, Northern Virginia and Virginia itself is so close to the Beltway, and the the media, all the media that we get, generates out of Washington and New York, our major media sources. And so uh, Virginia gets a lot of attention. And, well, it should because they've done great stuff. But other states are doing great stuff, and they don't get that kind of attention, and Wisconsin's one of them. And so, and Terry, you know, it's been, you know, you did a whole training for lots of people around the country that were listening to this show that wanted to organize where they were. You generated something really good because we've been trying to explain that the primaries, this is where it's at. It's in the primaries. It's in the local races. Uh, That's how we take back the country locally, uh, like you you just said. So, um, all right, so I'm just curious, though, you mentioned school board. Like what other, what other 
uh, give us an idea what other kind of positions that you've recruited candidates for. Sure. So, I mean, the municipal boards are just as important uh, structurally in the state as as the school boards. The school boards obviously are getting most of the attention because of the mad moms and some of the egregious things that we've uh, uncovered here in the last couple of years, or a year and a half, I would say for sure. As you saw in Loudoun County, we're the same here in Waukesha County. Conservative schools where you're finding CRT and, and just, uh, you know, violations of Robert's rules and and procedures that go on, and frankly, the the parents who are just not being represented or being allowed to speak—it's just incredible. But these the municipal boards and some judicial races uh, are very, very important to us out here from a long-term structural standpoint. Our county supervisors, which many counties that I've talked to have commissions or or, or county boards like we do, we've got 25 of them up this year. I mean, they control the budget of the entire county as far as overall infrastructure and, and administration and, and, and health care and these types of things. So they're extremely important. So, uh, and, and what's interesting is we see a lot of incumbents who've been in for quite a while, either stepping out or realizing now that, you know, they've got to buck up as conservatives and start acting like it. Uh, so there's been a real awakening in our county of, of people who have been serving for a while, many of them admirably, but some of them, uh, let's just say, kind of uh, playing the middle. Uh, we've really woken them up, and, and it's an exciting time in the county. So this is for all the marbles here in Waukesha County. I mean, we have the opportunity to turn this county completely red from a government leadership standpoint, and the people want it. I mean, the, the, the excitement that we see out there, um, it, you know, the wind is at our back, and, and I believe that actually we're going to do very, very well again this year. But from the feedback we get of our normal citizens, they want transparency. They want their government back. They want uh, conservative values upheld. And they've had enough of hearing about this fringe radical left uh, infiltration that's going on. I mean, it's been very quiet. They try to do this at a, on an incremental basis, and we've exposed them, and we're going to do away with it. So very, very exciting. Um, lots of donors coming to us, lots of resources, lots of uh, moms, dads, just simply people have never been involved with the process coming forward and saying, hey, how can I help in any way? This is the, this is the dividing line here. This is, the, this is the point right now where we can save our county, we can save our state, and we can save our country. It's really that serious to people. Uh, I'm, I'm loving it because uh, the, 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 out, the outpouring of folks, uh, not only here in Wisconsin that I've talked to, but as you said, around the country. I mean, I've talked to people from Texas and Arkansas and Florida and whatnot, and they all seem to have that same issue where uh, Republicans have chosen over many years, at least a couple of decades, not to participate in, quote, nonpartisan races, meaning school boards and municipal boards. And that has been to great detriment to this country. And they realize it now. They, this has been exposed and they want to fix it. So we're very That's excited. Good. We want to help whoever we can help. And, uh, you know, we've got a couple of weeks left here in the sprint. I think you're going to see great results. So April 5th is the date for uh, the Wisconsin primary, uh, primaries, I guess you'd call it, primaries. Yep, statewide primaries. Statewide. Uh, okay. we, we just call them statewide local elections. Terry, if someone wants to connect with you again, can they? are you still open to that, helping people other places? Sure, absolutely. So absolutely. How, we want to how help should, whoever we can. How can they contact you? www.waukeshagop.org waukeshagop.org and it's the Waukesha County Republican Party just call and ask for me, ask for Terry I'm willing to help and we've got a whole team ready to help. 
Okay, that sounds great, Terry. Thank you. Always a pleasure to talk to you. You cheer me up, Terry Dietrich, and I appreciate it. <laughs> so great work, and we'll be looking forward to talking to you uh, after that primary and find out what the results were. This is Sandy Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. They should face some sort of consequences. At the very least, what you put on there should be true. And if it's not true, then it should be actionable. Major social media outlets are finding ways to block the conservative evangelical viewpoint. The American Family Association will no longer be canceled. Announcing AFA Streaming, our own video streaming platform, which will allow access to all AFA video content. AFA Streaming is now available. Learn more at AFA.net. Hi, I'm Mark Harrington, founder of the pro-life group Created Equal and host of Activist Radio, The Mark Harrington Show. Created Equal is all about saving the lives of unborn children. Each week, I cover the latest pro-life news and feature interviews with unsung heroes from across the nation who are making a difference for the cause of life, liberty, and justice. Join me every Sunday afternoon at 5.30 for The Mark Harrington Show here on American Family Radio and discover how you, too, can help protect the lives of the most innocent among us. What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying to me from the ground. My name is Abraham Hamilton III, and this is the Hamilton Minute. According to the World Health Organization, abortion was the leading cause of death worldwide in 2018. As of December 31st, 2018, 41.9 million babies were murdered in the womb. That's more than the 8.2 million people who died from cancer, more than the 5 million who died from smoking, and more than the 1.7 million who died from HIV-AIDS in 2018 globally combined. Thomas Jefferson once said, I tremble for my country when I reflect that God is just, that his justice cannot sleep forever. Lord, please strengthen us to abolish this wickedness. Listen each weekday from 5 to 6 p.m. Central for The Hamilton Corner with Abraham Hamilton III, Public Policy Analyst for the American Family Association. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-788-1813. That's 1-800-788-1813. This is Frank Afney with the Secure Freedom Minute. There's much talk of a great reset favored by global capitalists more or less unapologetically admiring of the efficiency of the Chinese Communist Party. 
The day's headlines demonstrate that what is needed instead is a freedom reset. A CCP virus-justified lockdown of China's key manufacturing hub in Zhenzhen underscores the dangerous folly of supply chain dependencies in the name of engagement with the People's Republic. Deep sell-offs of Chinese stocks over concerns about, among other things, capricious government regulations and interference is a warning against U.S. investments in them. And the prospect that Xi Jinping will help bail out his ally, Vladimir Putin, suggests worse is to come. That's especially so if U.S. states, including Republican-run ones, introduce China's odious social credit system for surveilling and controlling their people in the guise of digital health cards. Join us in opposing them at StopVaxPassports.org. This is Frank Gaffney. Don't forget to connect with Sandy Rios in the morning on Getter or email Sandy at Sandy at AFR.net. That's Sandy at AFR.net. Sandy Rios in the morning on American Family Radio. We've heard it at congressional hearings for years. Our voting machines are not connected to the Internet. Those are not connected. Voting machines themselves are not connected to the Internet. And we knew that wasn't true. And cybersecurity expert Kevin Scoglin wanted to prove it. So he and nine other independent security consultants created their own search engine looking for election systems online. We found over 35 had been left online, and we're still continuing to find more. ESNS insists while there are 14,000 of its modems in use, there are firewalls separating those modems from the public Internet and that the modems are turned on for just seconds. But Scoglin says that's not enough. We're seeing um, Illinois and Michigan. Last summer, Scoglin's team found ESNS voting systems online in at least some of the precincts in 11 states, including the battleground states of Florida, Michigan, and Wisconsin. If you were able to get inside these systems... Could you do more than perhaps mess up the preliminary results? Could you actually get deeper inside the system? Absolutely, and that's that's my biggest concern. Top computer scientist Andrew Appel agrees with Skoglund. Once a hacker starts talking to the voting machine through the modem, they can hack the software in the voting machine and make it cheat in future elections. In August, Skoglund took his results to election officials and the press, assuming the systems would get taken down. We were astonished when he showed us some of those systems are still online. Modems in voting machines are a bad idea. Those modems are network connections, and that leaves them vulnerable to hacking by anybody who can connect to that network. All right, so that was an NBC report of January 2020, and that's you know, that's been a huge, there are a lot of things about voter fraud. Okay, there's all kinds of things. There's, you know, the the, the drop boxes, the false registrations, the mail-in balloting, the lack of voter ID, uh, you know, voting from nursing homes to people with dementia and all of that. But the whole issue of the voting machines, I want to, uh, I just want to bring this into perspective because this is like the, really, of all the topics about voter fraud or a fraudulent 2020 election, this is the one that's verboten. This is the one that uh, people have gone to jail and had to pay huge fines for even discussing. Um, this is um, – and so in this article in regard to Wisconsin and where we just talked to Terry about it, I want to drill down just a tiny bit. Uh, in uh, Wisconsin, they use Dominion and ESNS, and Dominion has gone after anyone, any broadcast company, whether it's Fox or Newsmax – uh, anyone who says anything about Dominion disparaging, they sue the socks off them. Off of them, they've worked. It's worked very well. Uh, and so, um, the truth is, though, there was a huge problem. And in this particular story that we told you earlier, 
Uh, this guy, Mr. Spitzer Rubenstein, uh, had set up uh, all kinds of uh, connections uh, to a Wi-Fi network. With a pa- and he wasn't even an official election worker. He was paid for by the Zuckerberg organization. And so he was able, they are able to manipulate the voting system, uh, you know, without, you know, through the Internet. And NBC just reported that very same thing, but you're not allowed to say that. And I want to illustrate to you, if I can, how down in the morrow this lie about there being no voter fraud and no problem with the machines goes in D.C. Attorney General William Barr was being interviewed by, I think, Jake Tapper. I think it was Jake. Uh, and we played a little bit of it yesterday, but I want to revisit one of those clips uh, because just listen to the interaction. Bill, uh, Bill Barr's just written a book, and certainly he refused to go after any kind of reports of voter fraud he, when he was attorney general during the last uh, few months of his um, uh, position there with under President Trump. Uh, and he, uh, you know, really mocked the whole idea, and he declared, came out with a public statement uh, that the election was fair. In fact, uh, this is uh, what he says during his exchange with Jake Tapper. This is clip 17, I hope. I supported his policies. I was very conscious of his uh, personal failings, especially his pettiness and his, his temper when he's not getting his way, his disposition to listen to what, you know, want to hear what, what he wants to hear. Uh, but up until the election, I felt that if you had strong cabinet secretaries who were willing to do battle, you could keep things on track. And I personally felt uh, that we did a pretty good job of that. But after the election, um, I, there was no, he just went off the rails. He wasn't listening to any of his normal advisors. He was listening to this coterie of people who were telling him that he lost the election. Well, you're definitely right. I mean, that he, that he was stolen. That he was yeah. right, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he was listening to these people, you know, these people, like uh, the people that you know. Uh, that have been on this show telling him that there's voter fraud, that this is something's wrong here, something's wrong in Georgia, something's wrong in Arizona, something's wrong in Wisconsin, something's wrong in Michigan, something's really wrong in Pennsylvania, sir, Nevada. I could go on and on, but those are the coterie, and they weren't, you know, the president wasn't listening to uh, William Barr, who declared, you know, that the election, there's no way there was a problem. I guarantee you William Barr doesn't know what you know about the voter fraud. I guarantee you that, you know, the, the, all the courts that refused to listen never looked at the evidence. They never looked at the evidence. They refused because in the vortex of D.C. and New York, you know, <laughs> there's a thing that you have to believe. And you all line up and you believe it or you get in trouble. You get shot down. You get sued. Or some of them don't even care enough. They don't care about the truth. And I am so disappointed in Attorney General William Barr. We thought he was an honest man with an honest thought, but he's a he is a creature of the Beltway. His children are all serving in agencies. I remember when he was introduced, that was one of my biggest concerns. He has a reputation to maintain in D.C., and in D.C., you have to think that 2020 was rightly decided and that, um, you know, Joe Biden is the lawful president because the rest of it, everything else is a lie because the Washington Post says so, and so does the New York Times. And if you dare say anything else, you will be sued or disbarred. That's what they're trying to do to attorneys like Cleta Mitchell, who are all, you know, full-time now into this whole business of election fraud. It is a disgrace. It really is. And so um, 
I wanted to play one of the things. Uh, there are lots of stories around the country. In fact, let me just give you a, a scattershot of some of them. A voter Georgia has provided conclusive evidence showing that Fulton County and the 2020 election were electronically manipulated. They announced it at a press conference. Uh, the date is uh, March the 7th. Uh, voter, voter GA announced at a press conference today a 15-point analysis that documents clear irrefutable evidence of how the November 2020 Fulton County election results were electronically manipulated. And then we have Mesa County, and this will ring a bell with you because Tina Peters, who was my guest a few months ago, she is an election clerk in Mesa County. She's a Gold Star mom. Uh, By the way, Tina has been arrested and jailed. What's her crime? Because she discovered, and she didn't what well, didn't have any pre- preconceived notion that there was any problem at all, but it was it brought to her attention that there was something wrong with the Dominion machines they were using, and so she captured the data uh, to keep and maintain because Dominion was going to destroy the data. That's what they did in many of these counties. They want they they swiped the machines so that you could not trace what actually happened, and she kept the data, which is by the way by law her duty to do. But, of course, they're coming after her with a vengeance because she has the evidence. Uh, my opinion is that she has the evidence that they need. So uh, there, is a, there is a fight going on in Mesa County, Colorado. And, by the way, Tina Peters is running for Secretary of State now. I, uh, will, I hope to have her on the air soon to catch up uh, to talk about the ordeal she's been through. Remember the FBI came in and raided her home? We talked to her. They actually went through this box that she had never opened her son, I think his name is Dakota something. He was the special forces guy who was killed in action. Again, she's a gold star mom. And they had sent back, you know, all the, the things that he had, the few things on his body and all these precious things. And she had not even been able to bring herself to look at that box. And the FBI, when they raided her home, opened it and went through all of it. And that was just a desecration that was very painful for her. So uh, she is proving why she raised a, um, a, a hero on the battlefield because she's a hero right now in this election uh, mess that we have. So they're trying to sort it out in Colorado, and it's a very hostile environment for Tina. So I hope to talk to her soon. But I wanted you to know what's happening with the elections. There's a ballot bombshell in Texas. There are 10,000 uh, ballots in the last election were found. A clerk... I uh, just didn't bother to count them. And that's in Harris County. Isabel Longoria admits that she knew about it, but she was just too tired to count them. And so these are the kinds of things that are happening uh, all over the country. And this is why we have to pay attention locally. This is why we have to get organized. And I know many of you have been doing that. And I thank you for that. All right, this is C.D. Rios in the morning on AFR Talk. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.